Today we're going to look at John chapter 7, so if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Uh, Welcome to those of you online. We're glad you're with us today. Uh, We're going to continue our series called Missing Greatness, and today uh, it's his own family. Uh, Again, we are back to Jesus' family again, missing his greatness and the opportunity uh, to display his greatness that he doesn't take. Uh, Because timing is everything, and uh, that's true in jokes, Uh, that's also true in revealing who the Messiah is. And so Jesus' brothers, they want him to reveal himself in a grand, in a big way, and he doesn't want to do that. And maybe uh, you've been in a situation in your life where someone has prodded you into doing something, or maybe something you didn't really want to do, and they kept pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, and so finally you did it. Or maybe you said you didn't want to do it, but really you did. And so it's like, no, 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 oh, uh, no, 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 yeah, uh, and you have this like back and forth because you want to convince them that you really don't want to do it, but yet deep inside you really want to make it happen. Well, uh, I remember my dad when I was growing up, he would tell me all the time about stories of he and his buddies uh, drag racing from light to light uh, in his hometown because between each stoplight was about a quarter mile. And so that was back in the late 60s when you had those big muscle cars and they would, you know, just go crazy from from light to light. When I was a, a teenager, uh, I skied my first double black diamond uh, on a snow, you know, a mountain, thanks to a friend who said, hey, it'll be great. You'll be fine. It'll all work out. You only live once. And I'd like to live past this experience. So if you're not familiar with skiing, uh, green is the easy, blue is intermediate, black is hard, double black diamond is really hard, yellow is crazy people. Um, that's kind of how that works. And, and I did survive and I actually was able to ski a few more and never broke anything or tore any ligaments or anything. So it was fine. But oftentimes we do not just the simple, but sometimes we do the extraordinary because someone else urged us to do so. And sometimes we do the extraordinarily stupid because someone prodded us to do so. And, and It's amazing to me that sometimes it's hard for us uh, in our modern era, 21st century sort of digital world, it's hard for us to, to think that Jesus can identify with us in every way. And yet here we're gonna have an encounter, a a little conversation between he and his brothers that that speaks directly to us that, that he faced the same kinds of pressure you and I face. He faced the same difficulties and temptations and struggles with family and friends wanting to push us in a wrong direction that we do. And so if you've got your Bible open, John 7, we're gonna read verses one through nine in this passage, this conversation between Jesus and his brothers. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. That's a good reason. Now, the Jews' feast of the booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea. There's a good suggestion. Leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you were doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. 
for not even his brothers believed in him. And so Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast, I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After this, he remained in Galilee. We know that later he did go up and went in secret so that no one would see him. But this little passage here, this, this interchange between he and his brothers is, is a unique little story. It's, it's kind of odd and strange that the, the brothers, his brothers, who the passage says don't believe in him at this point, want him to go and display his greatness. They, they were trying to push, push Jesus into the limelight. Uh, apparently their idea was that Jesus, if you have all these powers and you have this great teaching, you can do miracles, you're, you're, you're the Messiah supposedly, at least by your own claims, Th then why wouldn't you go? Why are you acting like a backwoods country prophet who's hiding his light under a bushel? That's the idea here. Like Jesus, don't hide your abilities. No, let them shine. Let everyone see who you are. Now, I wonder if that was partly because they wanted to claim some of the honor. You ever wanted to ride the coattails of somebody else famous? Somebody else does something great and you're like, oh yeah, I was with them. I wonder if that's going on here. Because the whole idea of shame and honor is, is critically important in the ancient culture, but both in the Middle East and even to this day in the Middle East and the, and the East. Shame and honor are critical values. And so I wonder if these brothers are a little bit ashamed of their brother Jesus. Like he's kind of an embarrassment to us. And so let's make it right. Jesus, display your greatness. Show them who you really are. And then, then we can come alongside and say, hey, look who our brother is. And they can ride his coattails. I find it difficult in this conversation because they don't really believe in him and yet they want him to do great things. That They don't trust him. They haven't put their hope in him. They haven't followed him as Jesus had called the other disciples and said, follow me. Well, they haven't followed Jesus yet. They're simply trying to push their brother into the spotlight. And so it's a great reminder to me that proximity to Jesus doesn't guarantee faith. Proximity to Jesus doesn't guarantee your faith. You can be close to Jesus. You can be a part of church. You can be religious, have religious activities, but that does not guarantee that you have faith in Jesus. That doesn't guarantee you a place in heaven. We don't ride the coattails of others into heaven. It doesn't matter that your uncle was an usher back in 1976. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you have a family Bible from 1882. Doesn't matter. What matters is placing our faith completely in him, trusting him to forgive us of our sin and to give us brand new life. And so your relationship with Jesus 
is about faith, not about proximity. Because close only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades. It's all that matters. Our faith in Jesus is what matters. And so it's odd to me that his brothers here are pushing him to do something great when they don't even have his best interest in mind. They're thinking, if Jesus, you want to have religious prominence, then you need to prove yourself to be not the master of Galilee. No, not the king of Galilee. No, you need to be the master of Jerusalem. You need to go to where the religious center of our people is and go and show yourself there. And what better time to do that than a festival? What better time to do that than the festival of harvest time where we're celebrating the goodness and the greatness of God? When should the Messiah demonstrate himself? When everyone is around. For everyone to see. For all to understand this is God in the flesh. Let's do it so the most people will know that we'll gain the most attention. That's exactly how we operate too, right? If you don't believe me, go on your social media account and count how many people like or follow you because that's what you're interested in, especially those of you over here mostly. We're all about attention. And his brothers wanted Jesus to garner the greatest attention. And so why not go to Jerusalem during a feast? But Jesus wasn't ready for that. It wasn't his time. And so I want to remind you to be careful. Not to let people who don't believe in Jesus or maybe just as important, don't believe in you push you in the wrong direction. Don't let people who don't believe in Jesus and don't believe in you push you in a way that you shouldn't go. Your friends matter. The people that you listen to matters. The folks that are engaged in your life and have, have your attention, they matter. And so don't let those folks who don't follow Christ be the people that you're listening to for advice. Don't let the people who don't really believe in you, they just want to see you do something crazy or wild or funny. Don't let them push you into doing something you shouldn't do. When I was in second grade, I had a group of friends and we were all kind of a little pranksters, uh, and you know, as much as second graders can be. But one day we were coming out of the restroom and a group of the boys were like, hey, we, we should open the door to the girls' bathroom and turn the light out. <laughs> this is before automatic lights. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? David, you do it. <laughs> okay. So I swing the door open, I turn the light out, and as soon as I go like this, this girl, a friend of mine, she walks out. I saw you. That's how second grade girls are, right? Tattletales. 
And so what does she do? She goes and tells the teacher and who gets in trouble? Me. When it was all these goofy boys' idea, not even my idea. But I let them push me in a wrong direction. Let me remind you that we need to pay attention to who has authority in our lives, who speaks truth into our lives, and those that want to send us in the wrong direction, we need to say no and listen to the right people. Because Jesus' brothers, they didn't understand the purpose that Jesus had. They didn't understand his mission fully in that moment. They didn't understand that he only had one agenda and it was the agenda from the Father. It was a mission to go to the cross. They couldn't understand, Jesus, why don't you wanna show off your glory? It was not rational to them that if you have all these abilities, why wouldn't you display your glory and your greatness in front of everybody? If you really are who you claim to be, brother, then go and demonstrate it for the world to see. Display your glory in a powerful, brilliant, mighty way. And the irony of this is that they knew that those in Judea wanted to kill Jesus. And that's where they wanted to send him, is to Judea, so that his disciples would really know. Because Jesus had some tough sayings in John 6. I want to encourage you to go back and read John 6. He, it's where he sort of loses a lot of the crowd after that teaching. So go back and regain these people. It doesn't make sense, Jesus. Go display your brilliance and they'll all come back to you. But no, Jesus states the truth. The world hates me. The world rejects Jesus. And the irony of this entire passage and the irony of the gospels is that Jesus did display his greatness. Jesus did display his glory. He did display his power. And you know how he did that? By humiliating himself on a cross to the point of death. That's God's way of displaying greatness. That he would go to the cross that he would not count the glory of heaven to be something grasped. No, that he would endure death, even death on a cross. Why? So that you and I might have a relationship with our heavenly father. The cross was how Jesus was gonna display himself to the world. And for you and me, for you and me, humility is always the right action. For a follower of Christ, humility is always the right action. That's the route that Jesus took was humility and humiliation for the sake of the world, for the sake of his brothers, for the sake of us. And so rather than pursuing the spotlight, rather than pursuing the grandeur of greatness, may we always pursue the place of humility putting others before ourselves, not looking for the limelight, but being asked to be in the seat of honor, not taking it. Jesus teaches us a valuable lesson here. 
that his timing was important, but that he was going to take the route of humility, the same route that you and I should take. Because this idea here of him going to Jerusalem and displaying his greatness at the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, yours might say, was the harvest season. And it wasn't grain and wheat, it was grapes and olives during this season. And people and farmers would come from all over the countryside and they would actually set up little booths. They were like little thatched buildings. We would call them tents today. They would go and set up tents in the city and they would kind of camp out during this feast so they could praise God and thank him for the harvest. And so this would be the right time, Jesus. This would be the right time to present yourself as Messiah when everyone will see, but Jesus says, no, my time has not yet come. I'm, I'm not ready. I don't need to recapture the crowds. I, I don't need to chase after those who, when I said, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, and they walked away, I don't need to chase after them. And for us, if you're a follower of Christ, let me encourage you. If you've continued to share and share and share and live a life worthy of the gospel, let me encourage you not to chase after those people who have no interest in listening to you. We need to live our life. We need to communicate the truth. But Jesus didn't go chasing after the one so that he could recapture the crowd for popularity. You and I don't need to be popular. So don't chase after people so that you can be popular. Chase after people so they'll come to faith in Christ. And so Jesus says, my time has not come. My timing is different than your timing. You can do whatever you want. You can come and go as you please. You can do whatever you want. Nobody's paying attention to you. But they hate me. And so I'm going to make sure that my timing is perfect. Because it was. I'm going to do what pleases the Father and that's it. I'm not going to do anything else that would be contrary to what the Father has for me. Because my eyes are resolute at the appropriate time, in the appropriate way to go to Jerusalem, to go to the place that you want me to go. But I'll go there only when the Father says it. This is reminiscent of a couple of chapters earlier when, when Jesus is talking to his mom. They're at a wedding and they've run out of wine, and that's a big problem. And so his mother comes to him and says, hey, we got a wine problem here. And he says, why are you coming to me? My time is not ready. My time has not yet come. And most of the time, students and adults, you would say, well, listen to your mom. <laughs> but she does the opposite. She says to the servants, listen to Jesus. And then even though his time had not yet come, he turns the water into wine in those big buckets and the wedding goes off without a hitch. 
But he still didn't tell anybody. Who got the credit for that? The groom got the credit. Jesus didn't get the credit. The groom got the credit. Because it wasn't his time yet to be displayed. And Jesus was not going to display his greatness until the cross and the tomb. And so here the brothers are. Urging him, challenging him, pushing him to go to the feast. It's reminiscent of when Jesus, after spending some time in the wilderness, was tempted by Satan and Satan challenged him to display his greatness by going to the pinnacle of the temple. Show everyone that you're the son of God. And so Jesus, just like you and me, always had people pulling at him, pulling at him in different directions. And we've got to pay attention to the people in our lives who will pull at us. They want to change your direction. They want their agenda for your life. They, they want you to do what they want to do. They want you to do things so that they will receive honor and glory. But let me challenge you to remain steadfast in your calling. Let me re remind you to be steadfast in carrying out the mission that God has for you. To be a disciple-making missionary. We cannot be distracted from our mission. Just like Jesus was not distracted from his mission, we can't be distracted from our mission. To be people of faith. To be people who are ambassadors. We're representing our home country, not the old, good old US, US of A. No, we're representing heaven. And so we're here on this earth to be ambassadors representing the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to those who need a Savior. We're people who reconcile others. We, we help point people to Jesus who bridges that chasm between our sinfulness and our Father in heaven who loves us unconditionally and sent him. And so we reconcile people. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We are people who worship in spirit and truth. That's part of our mission, to worship in spirit and truth. Part of our mission is to share with others the truth in love. Not to sugarcoat it, not to appease them, not to tell them how great they are when they've just messed up a hundred times. No, it's to share the truth in love. To follow him to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as we love ourselves. That's our mission. And so we move through these weeks leading up to Easter. May we not be guilty of pushing and prodding people to do things that would not honor God. And may we stand resolute in the mission to love God with all of who we are and to love others 
and draw them close to Jesus. Help them to see the beautiful humiliation of the cross and the power of the resurrection. That's our calling. That's our mission. Will you pray with me?